Hello, my name is 4020 and joining me today is 60s. This is TCT's The Tip Sheet and this is our Round 10 review. How you doing, mate? Oh, mate, how, how good am I after a loss? Not too good at all, but we did just have a laugh with a little blue. Yeah, a, li- a little a little part that's going to be cut way. out, but um, maybe, maybe we'll get dropped in the near future. But yes, it turns out that when you're rushing through the tip sheet, you can make a little mistake. All righty. Yes, mate. All righty. Let's, round, let's get into last night. Round 10, Manly Seagulls 22, defeat Parramatta Eels 18. It was a train wreck. Let's not sugarcoat it. It was awful. Um, the boys didn't learn their lessons in handling and in execution from the game against Newcastle last week. And unfortunately, their defense abandoned them this week. Mate, the start was diabolical. To me, it was like revisiting 2019's worst days. You know, well, by that I mean the storm. And the two players, the two players that the Eels would have planned to shut down, DCE and Danny Levi, they were the games. ones that dictated, absolutely dictated how the match was played. But let's face it, in that first 20, 25 minutes, there was no intent in defence, especially on the line. Yeah, it was just abysmal. I think we start, I know he's going to be the poster boy, the pinup boy for the over blame and all the criticism. George Jennings, obviously, if an error on our first possession. And sort of the rot started from there, but let's not let make a CFO off with uh, uh, getting bundled into touch. And then you also had Quentin Gufferson kicking out in the full from a restart. So just lots of little yeah, and, mental lapses. And look, let's make a quick comparison to last week. I know last week wasn't the best game, but last week we started with a technical error with Sean Lane being deemed to have caught the ball on the try on the sideline, which, which was an officiating error when you look on review. But yes. yes. But we defended that. Mm-hmm. Now, George Jennings copped a bit of flack for that carry. I think that's pretty rough because he hasn't played a game of rugby league since March. Now, the other week in his first game, Dave Gower made an error in his first carry, made it up for the rest of the game, copped plenty of uh, praise because that was the win over the Cowboys. True. I think George Jennings made up for it. After that first Yeah, goal. if you go back and actually watch the game, there was lots of strong carries. Obviously, that finish at the end, which could have been an eight-point try. And he, he did his job after that. It was just unfortunate yeah. that it sort of set the tone to allow those mental lapses to creep in from there. And just, you know, our, de- our defense and attitude wasn't there, unfortunately, to back up those errors. And the thing I think, is... I think it was inevitable, mate. I think uh, the error came at that point. So we had points scored in that first minute. But if we turned up with that attitude that we did last night... Oh, you, you just roll your, you roll your sleeves up from we that area gonna, and move on. That's right. Yeah. But yeah. as it we were... We points. As it were, uh, three big errors, spotted mainly three tries for 16 points in... I think they were racing the clock at that, at that point in time. So letting any team in the competition um, get out to a 16-point lead is a huge handicap, let alone a, you know, a mainly were a fringe top four team at full strength and now they're a fringe top eight, uh, top eight team with their injuries. But... You just can't do it, and I mean, in a way, it's a it, it's a weird credit to the boys to show that they got back into that game the way they did, even though they were playing some of the worst footy you ever see. And I think I, I'm not sure if I made the comment to you after the game last night, but it's those 16 points in that time frame was very eerily similar to that round two game against them in 2018, where we ended up losing 54 nil, was it, or 56 nil, um, yeah. where we got absolutely blown out. And, you know, we got ourselves back into the game this week. And I don't really like to count that as a silver lining because we're just that bad. But it, it is a positive in a sense. I think it highlighted 
that we have a second half resolve that's been evident in every game this year. And while we had that second half resolve last night, albeit with still far too many errors, defensively, uh, we were strong enough. Is it Was it manly? Was it... Oh, it, it was definitely definitely partially that? manly. Let's not like, overpat ourselves in the back here for coming back. Manly were very yeah. ordinary. They had a lot of errors. And some of it was like clever football from us for that scrum play on on um the there was a tight head in against the feed for us where we managed yeah. to get a penalty against the feed which is something you will never ever see so we did yeah. some things that were smart but unfortunately the vast majority of our work was just so scrappy and so off the boil yeah and it came back to uh that energy that just wasn't there mm-hmm. in two key areas uh you know carrying the ball and defense and Absolutely. you know the defense is something that we've prided ourselves on this year and the carrying of the ball where we punched into the defensive line, won the middle in games this year. It just wasn't there in that first half. We can't sugarcoat it. It was awful. And I'd also like to say that we really looked like a team playing without a half. Just a few things on that. Both Brown and Field are old-fashioned 5'8s. Now, what I mean by that is that they aren't organisers or game managers. Brown's very much a running 5'8", his natural game. And that was shown up in his run meters last night, which was 174 running meters. On its own, that looks like he's had an outstanding game. But was that his job? Or did BA expect him to manage the team? If he's playing alongside Moses, those running meters are going to be, as I said, outstanding. But he was, as young as he is, he was the senior half out there last night. He needed to manage the game. That really, you know, that didn't happen. No. And, you know, it, it's it's easy to sound mean in saying that, but this is something that Dill will take on any stride and have to learn from. And it's just, it is an unfortunate reality that he was just slightly off his game and he was out of sync with his left edge men. There was a lot of times where he was getting the ball and he wasn't even looking to his left uh, to find Jennings or to find Sean Lane. And he just plant that left foot and go back in field for the run. So it's just, yeah, it is what it is. Like you said, we needed it. We needed more of a game manager presence there, and that's what Mitchell Moses brings to the te- brings the team in absolute spades. And it's interesting that that was one of the criticisms of him among some fans, and especially among neutrals, was that he wasn't having the flashy games this year. But that is what he brings to the team when he's in that role: is that he will be the stabilizing influence. He'll be the guy that redirects the ship and gets it on on course again. And we we, we, we really to, needed that. <laughs> if if we were to be brutal in our criticism, and I think. We, it's probably fair that we are. Well, if you're a fly, if you're a fly in the wall on the film review session for this in the team, there's going to be some brutal words said, I reckon. Yeah. So really, apart from the usual gutho game, we had a non-functioning spine last night. Let's, yeah, let's not mince it, words it's about un, it. It's, it's hurts to say it, but I think Reid had an awful game. And it sucks that it came straight after his re-signing announcement because that is fantastic news. But yeah, he he overplayed his hand. He uh, just had a couple of errors, couldn't catch a couple of balls from off like second phase play. And like you said, the aforementioned uh, halves just were non-factors for the most part. Yeah, Dill had some splashy numbers when it came to running the ball, but the impact on the game wasn't there. Yeah, and let's let's get back to what you were talking about there with stats because stats tell part of the story, but they don't tell the whole story as, as you've indicated there with Reed because... If you had a look at his numbers, like his tackles were up around 63 tackles for the game. In terms of stats and effort, it was 
stellar. In terms of what he was required to do in his job, I'd say it was close to one of the poorest games that he had. His options, his passing, his kicking. Well, there was, at, at the start of the there. game, there was multiple sets where the ball hit the ground from the only half. And then there was that one yeah. sequence of play where I think we went to Manly's goal line and he just three passes in a row, I think it might have been. He just went on the ground, on the ground, on the ground. And ended up with Dylan Brown trying to race back to get a ball that Dele Cherry even scooped up on behind him. Yeah. He, look, he, he did play from reports that have come out post-game. He was playing a bit wounded and took the field with uh, quite a bit of courage last night. I'm not expecting that that will impact this week's game. But it just shows that if you take the field wounded, there's the risk that can happen. Absolutely, different yeah. parts of different parts of your game can be impacted, and you run the risk of that. And if you're the person in the team that handles the ball more often than any other player on the field, it's a big call to take the field if you're carrying a uh, niggling injury. But in saying that, Parramatta don't really have many other um, recourses when it comes to that, don't they? Well, I think you would have found that uh, looking at the dressing room that someone like Will Smith would have been the likely uh, replacement in the dummy half yeah. position. So, But you got Will Smith you know, coming in ice cold after we, we talked about cold, George yeah. Jennings having those issues and David Gow having those issues in their first game back after months out. You could imagine that Will Smith, with, like you said, handling the ball more than any other position, would have struggled as well. So. Sort of damned if we Almost do. Almost damned if you yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Damned if you do. Damned there we if you go. Don't. Yeah. Um, can we talk about some other? Uh, I hate to do it, but it's some other non-performers. We've already we've talked about uh, Reed. We've talked about the halves. Uh, Sean Lane. I have to say, hey, I think whenever we play at Brookvale, maybe it might be best to have Sean Lane sit out because yeah, well, between probably his two worst performances for the Eels have the, both been a Brookvale. The, avoca- the avocado game, obviously, last time where he stabbed himself with an av- trying to DC an avocado last time and then tonight, or tonight, last night, just, well, what a non-factor. That that non-effort on the Dowie Jerry Evans try was ugh, like puke, putrid. So yeah, you know, you, once again, you don't you don't like putting the boot into these guys because we know that this team is fantastic and they've been trying their tails off for the entire season. That's why they they were on top of the table. They've been leading the competition for nine weeks until until this round. But yeah, just that was not not a great game from the big man. And I think it's stands out even more when you've got a bloke who mostly well, we talked about rocks and diamonds. So he's mostly producing gems, but when he produced a lump of sandstone last night and that makes it stand out even more that he's just normally so consistent and yeah and that, especially that was just an abominable one especially since ryan madison was out i think the focus really dialed on to sean lane to be the guy in the back row on the edges at least yeah and unfortunately yes. he just couldn't do it and and part of that was probably because we talked about dylan running the ball a lot so there was that aspect of it but the the effort on the Dowie Chairman's trial was probably emblematic of the wider issues of his game last night. So he'll be he'll be better than that coming forwards, and I'm sure he'll be putting a on the uh, roasting rack by the coaching staff in the video review, and he'll know he um, messed up there. So it, it just you just you you just use the word better. So can we let's go into some of the better because as bad as we were, there were a couple of pretty good performances. Oh yeah, R C G was outstanding. Two hundred ninety seven run. I know we. We were talking about stats, but these are stats that jump out. 297 run metres, 120 
post-contact meters. Nathan Brown, it was a pity that he had to leave the yeah, field because he was hip. already up. He was bringing the, the aggression and the energy to the field. Murata, 174 running metres in only 38 minutes. So if we were losing Nathan Brown, at least we were able to bring on Murata. Gutho was still Gutho, 250 run metres. I thought both centres were outstanding. Yeah, they did. I had um, no issues with the centres last night. They did their jobs. Six, six tackle breaks for both of them. And they were really the two that posed the greatest threat to Manly in their carries. Which is what was so and frustrating. Then I, think, I was just going to say, it was so frustrating that we, we did not go to our centres at all. Barring those try-scoring opportunities that we had, they were the only times they got the ball, it felt like. Yes, and that, that again, I think, highlights the issues that we had, first of all, around our spine, and secondly, that we just didn't quite create, the, lay that that good platform that we have recently. And I, I just want to get to some of the criticism around Tacker and George Jennings because Tacker, I think people, you know, might look at some of the stats, but I think he's done a fantastic job coming off the bench as he's been required. Sometimes it's been minimal time off the bench, but I don't think he's let the team down in any way. And last night he had a 94% tackle efficiency with his 33 tackles. And I was paying careful attention to his role out on the field. He was doing a lot of talking and organising as much as he could on that side of the field with some fairly inexperienced people around him. And as I said, George Jennings, he made 195 running metres after that first error. And we just weren't good enough to defend that first error. Obviously, you don't want that first error, first carry of the game. But... First game of football after March, I, I can't fault what he produced after that point. And we'll get to Andrew Day because I think we need to dedicate a bit of time to his debut separately. Your thoughts on the, the better players, Forty? Yeah, I think you, you nailed it. Uh, the centres, Quentin Gufferson was real tidy at the back bar in that one kickoff error. Um, Reagan Campbell-Gillard, fantastic for that full 80 minutes. So um, with uh, Junior probably still a little bit under the weather, I know the numbers say that Junior had a good game, but I felt that for much of his much of the game, his run sort of lacked a bit of oomph. So I don't know if that was yeah. the weather or if it was the back spasm or fear of the back spasms flaring up. That I sort agree. Of, I agree. It was it, there wasn't the same energy levels from him. And uh, it, it, I know it's look, it's hard to come up with a your best on field, your man of the match. But if you had to, who would you give as your man of the match? I know the numbers. The numbers are awesome for Reg. Um, he also had that unfortunate uh, drop on the little uh, Reed. I was about to say Reed Moses, Reed Money, grubber kick near the line that could have got us right back into the game at that point. So I don't want to deduct too many um, uh, player of the match points for him for that, but that was uh, rather, uh, a rather unfortunate. I keep using that word, but it's, that describes the game, doesn't it? An unfortunate game. Yeah. Um, so I think it's between uh, Reg and between Murata. And I, I, it's hard to split the two because I know Murata's numbers aren't as gaudy as, as Reg's, but from the bench, that's such an incredible effort. 39 minutes, 17 carries, 174 metres and a, a, a smattering of tackles where we got tackle-wise. Um, uh, I think, I think, where it's, I think where it's fair to nominate Murata is that from the time that he came on the field, our energy levels did lift. Yeah. So you'd have to say that he brought all of the impact that we would have wanted him to bring. 
I find it hard to go past Reg because he played 80 minutes last yeah, night. Yeah, and that, he did, 80 minutes. And that that is a huge task for a prop, especially where he backed up. Uh, you got to think in his last, his last month of football, I think he played... Uh, how many minutes was against the Raiders and Golden Point? I think he played like 70 minutes against the Raiders with the Golden Point yeah. factored in. And then he had a huge game against the Newcastle Knights last week with Junior Paul having back spasms. So yeah. he, he has been on an absolute tear with a seemingly bottomless pit of energy in that um, motor. So yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I am happy for the big man to take away the, the best on field against the Seagulls. Uh, content, there, there were a couple of uh, contentious decisions last night. Yeah, both teams, thought, both teams obviously <laughs> involved in this. Yeah, um, the uh, Wunga Blake try, and I think the set restart to Manly before the Manly try. Uh, my my take on that uh, Wunga Blake uh, try was that on first look, I was concerned, even um, you know, accepting that it was a strip. But then when the re- looked at the replays. And the refs are tending to look at this, the eyes of the player as they're making the tackle. And it looked to me that Wanga Blake's eyes weren't looking at the ball, but they seemed to be focused on the impact. So I was actually satisfied that it was a loose carry. Uh, what's your take on that? It is a very interesting one. And this is one of the incidents that I'm going to be very keen to see what uh, Graham Annesley has to say on Monday. Because I could understand why Manly fans, as much as I don't want to relate to them, could be frustrated by that call because it feels like a 50-50 call in a vacuum. But when you go back and watch the replay, he certainly, it, it looks like he's indicating everything is going towards an offload. So the question then becomes is when you're offloading, when do you lose possession? So the ref, the referees have deemed that because he was trying to force the offload, Wonga Blake is entitled to have his hands on the ball. And as the ball comes loose, that is deemed to be the offload being intercepted, if anything else. And yeah. I, I think technically that could be the correct call. And I would be frustrated if that call went against us on the flip side and we saw Brad Parker streak down the field for 90 metres to score a try. But yeah. I, I, I am very interested to see what Graham Ansley has to say on the, the actual rules being interpreted here because it was a fantastic bit of heads-up football from Wonga. And I suppose if you wanted to be critical, you could say he should have taken the tackle for the try line to take out the uh, ability for the video ref to adjudicate on it. But yeah, it, what a what a weird one. You never see that. You see balls intercepted in flight. You see offloads intercepted in flight, but being dispossessed while he was obviously trying to offload the ball, but Wunga's hand was on the ball the entire time. So the question then becomes is when is possession lost and when is Wunga entitled to take the ball away? And the referees felt that he was correct correct in his attempt to take the ball out that way. So very interesting. Yeah, it was definitely one of those 50-50 calls uh, that fell our way. I probably would have said a 55-45 after I looked at the replay. Yeah. And we, we mean we were due for a little bit of luck at that point in the second half. Manly had a few. Uh, obviously, we played very. Like, let's not you know, excuse it. We played dog shit, but Manly had a few little calls go their way in the first half that the commentary team had a, a little cheeky laugh about with some knock-ons missed and a few other things happening. So it was very much all running for them in the first half, including that uh, set restart you're talking about, which I am still miffed about. And set restarts in general, I'm, I'm becoming less and less of a fan of because. There's just a couple of mystifying ones that seem to influence games every week. And unfortunately, this was a as bad as we were. This is also a decision that sort of changed the course of the game. Uh, Parramatta for the momentum before halftime, looking to get one last set to have a crack at the Manly goal line. And then uh, normal tackle, uh, was it uh, Sully or George Tafur? One of the two was on their back, gets up and just looks at the ref and ways, puts his hand up saying, I want a six again. And this is literally five or six seconds after the tackle's been completed, and the ref says, "Yeah, six again. You can have it." And yeah. 
they go on to score. And that was like their only actually good try. That was a well-built try. That was a nice kick from Dowie Cherry Evans. Well, it certainly seemed like much of the delay around the tackle involved the manly player angrily and uh, in, a, in a very... Uh, well, really slowed up his own rise to his feet. Yeah, and then remonstrating to the referee. Exaggerated, yeah. absolutely exaggerated the slowness of the play of the ball. Um, can we get can we get back to a positive and, and talk about uh, Andy Davies' debut? I've just got a few words I want to say on this because uh, I had an opportunity last year to talk to Andy a few times in his first pre-season. And I can tell you that this really hasn't come easy for Andy. I think Kate Caldwell from Eels Media, she really captured a superb interview with him on the Eels site. Uh, it it showed, it, it told that life, well, through his own words, the life of a fringe NRL player battling against the challenges that a year like this has brought upon players that are maybe in a similar situation to him. And for a bloke like him, and he lives away from loved ones, knowing that he would be better off financially, and returning home to his trade, he's a, he's a chippy. It says a lot about his determination uh, to achieve this dream. Looking at his first preseason, it was a really rude shock. Mm. You can tell that, you know, that he wouldn't have ever done anything like an NRL preseason. Uh, as I said, we spoke a bit to him, uh, spoke a bit to him during that first preseason. He was really down to earth, obviously, missed family and friends. Um, and there are a lot of negatives about an older player trying to get their opportunity in the NRL. Clubs are going to look at them and think, why haven't you made it? But and the, 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 the priority like, would be to get the younger guys a shot first, right? That's it. But the advantage for someone like Andy was that he had a, a wealth of footy experience. It might not have been in the top grades, but he played a lot of uh, football, and he had that maturity that came with it. And the feedback that I'd had from within the club highlighted his leadership qualities. You probably heard BA talk about having good people in the club, and I don't think there's any doubt that Andy epitomises that. On the football side of things last year, he was the Wenny Player of the Year, and uh, I expected him to get his shot. Uh, the coaches anticipated that he would. Um, BA not, spoke about it last night. That not he, in these circumstances, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, and even in this preseason, the talk was he will get a shot this year. This is before any of the COVID stuff hit, and unfortunately, Andy had a bit of a injury problems in the preseason. Mm -hmm. Then we had the COVID that hit, but when he's got his shot like he did last night, he performed, I think, exactly as everyone expected that he would. He, he just disappoint, didn't disappoint. <laughs> Twenty one. <laughs> Sorry. 21 tackles, no misses, uh, around 50 run metres, two offloads, and one was critical in that last try. We nearly, and, nearly, nearly got two try assists, didn't he? Because obviously the last yeah, try, and right. then Big Greg and the Campbell Gillard. Yeah, Big Greg and Campbell Gillard and Wunga Blake nearly, um, nearly got the Reg off the nitty run list with a great little offload yeah. off another kick. So yeah, had, had some and, fantastic influence on the field during that little stint that he, he played. And here's the thing that I think is a key indicator of how he's regarded. BA gave him around 30 minutes in his debut. You just don't see that no. for BA's, you know, bringing no, his we're, debut we're used to, off the bench. We're used to a couple minutes to five to ten minutes max for the, the young rookie coming off the bench. 
yeah, I think that says plenty about, uh, you know, what Andy was able to achieve. <clears throat> um, look, I just wanted to, in relation to last night as well, I wanted to give just a little bit of training feedback. Uh, I didn't see last night's match coming. I'm, I'm just going to be straight out with that. Their main session during the week was honestly one of the sharpest sessions that I've seen. Um the boys left it on the paddock. Yeah, that's frustrating, oh, isn't it? Oh, look, I'm sure the coaches. I think the well, coaches. Did you were, anyone anyone that watched the presser saw Brad saying that, you know, that's not how we train this week. We trained for Manly being up for this game off a free game losing it. streak. They knew it was yep. coming. They trained for it. And they just didn't bring it. Yep, and that was, you know, there's there's some training sessions that stand out, and you think. Yeah, we're, we're really switched on. We're ready for this. I thought that this week. And you know what? On on reflection, one of the other sharper sessions that I had seen in the past was a, a session that was before a Roosters game where we got absolutely flogged. So the, the secret is to be <laughs> sharp, but not too sharp. That, that's it. I think I think maybe we need a couple of drop balls in a session to, you know, that maybe that gets the players' minds on things like, okay, we need to be a bit better than we were through the week. I, I don't know. Sport, but, I mean, yeah. when you think about it, sport is so fascinating because you pour in all these hours every week that culminate into just that one little slice of time on, on a given day, 80 minutes for the NRL. It could be 90 minutes for, you know, soccer or football, however you call it. But just that one, you know, one little part of the week, all that effort, all that focus goes into, and if you're just marginally off, no matter who you're playing, can like you know, spring a huge upset or trounce you. So, yeah, that, now, that's that's why we love sports, other, I suppose. Absolutely, and uh, the other the other interesting thing was uh, what would what would happen if we had Gutho down injured or getting treatment during this time with uh, Mitch Moses out? Who would have taken the kicks? Now, uh, if I was to go on training form, my first thought would be Tapper. But uh, Junior absolutely trounced them in the <laughs> uh, kicking competition this week. And, uh, you know, he's he's maybe he's – no, he's not ready to step up in the game. It's, it's – it's completely a different scenario. I think but, I think Dylan Brown would be the designated third kicker, even though I no, I, I, no, hope, I hope no. he isn't because I've seen Dill kick goals in the Holden Cup and he was very streaky. Yeah, he's actually someone that doesn't step up too much when they have their kicking competitions. A lot of blokes fancy themselves as kickers. <laughs> That's true. And and in doing so, I think they're obviously keen to part with their coin for. You know, be it for a slab or some wine or a breakfast or coffees or whatever the wager might be on the kicking competition. But uh, Junior regularly seems to be able to step up. I think uh, I think Jenko fancies himself. He I mean, actually nailed it two I, weeks in a row. I missed him it. because he wasn't playing, but Blake Ferguson's got some goal-kicking credentials as well. Uh, he doesn't win too often at no, uh, training. But, but he's had NRL goal-kicking experience, which I suppose counts for a bit when it comes to stepping up to the plate in the live game. He, he does, but it was funny. I was talking to Para through and through as we were watching the uh, the training, uh, the, the kicking competition at training. We were joking about, oh, well, they wouldn't be able to do it in a game. And then the observation was made that 
it's probably more challenging for them <laughs> to take the kicks at training. With what's on the, the line. <laughs> well, not only what's on the line. And the jeers and But cheers. there's some sledging. There yeah. is some serious sledging that's going on literally in their ear as they're stepping to, up to take the kick. So, uh, yeah, it's a bit of fun, but, um, yeah. Uh, let, let's get on to uh, next week and, first of all, some team list predictions and looking at what's going to happen with returns from injury. Yeah, so the injury wrap that we've got post-game, um, thankfully there's no structural damage to Mekasivo's right knee. Uh, so now they're sweating on bruising to the bone, I believe. So he is sort of week-to-week week now, game-to-game. Game. So he'll be, uh, uh, given that it's a Thursday night game, it's going to be uh, a race against the clock, but he'll be a game-time decision. Uh, then we've also got the Nathan Brown cork to the hip. I think they're a little bit more nebulous with the response to that one, but it seems to be that he'll be racing the clock as well. Um, if he's out, that's obviously a huge loss because we're really running low on forwards at this point. Uh, and the the uh, news on Ryan Madison was a fractured finger, um, though he could be game to game. And Blake Ferguson, 50, 55 mils of fluid drained from that tricky knee that he's been nursing all season. Um, and so he is also another game game time decision. So lots of game time decisions this week. Uh, we should get that return of Moses. So that's going to help the spine. Uh, I think it becomes interesting if we assume that there's going to be no Nathan Brown because he's possibly the one racing the clock the most with the quick turnaround. And you'd assume then that Murata comes into lock. What are we looking at with a potential bench this week? Are we looking at um, Stefano, Gowie, Taka, Andy Davey, with maybe uh, Davey to possibly play a role in the middle when he comes on? That's rough. Because uh, that, I, be I think Kane Evans is, you know, he's, he's certainly progressing in his rehab, but I think he's possibly another week or two mm. away. Yeah, especially, so especially given that we'll have like the longer turnaround from the Thursday night game. I think they'll probably put him on ice for one more week. That's rough. Uh, I don't really know. God. Yeah, it's it really does start to uh, go down in our uh, numbers of, of forwards that we've got available. You know, it might be that Polar gets a run this week. Yeah, I think, I think to, you might yeah. have to go to Polar. Yeah, I you think have to, need... It's that balance of blokes who are coming on to play middle as opposed to blokes that are coming on to play edge. Correct. As I said, maybe they look at Andy Davey because he's he's got the size to play in the middle, especially if he's – he certainly compares favourably to Nathan Brown in size. So I don't think it's any, any problem with him playing in the middle. It's just that his, most of his experience would be on the edge. Uh, quick Tigers preview. Let's have a bit of a talk about what lies ahead in that game. Oh, hang on, 60s. My phone's ringing again, and I can tell who it is based on the caller ID. Seems like an old mate wants to have a chat after a big win on the weekend. You've got TCT. Who's this? You know who it is, you bastards. Salty Salt. me, old mate. Let me give you a proper introduction. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Number Hilarious. Nine. Funny stuff coming from a couple of blokes who have numbers for names. Relax, Salty. You're amongst friends now. What's on your mind this week? The mighty Tigers. What a win. We might have had more halves combinations this year than I've had girlfriends. 
but Madge McGuire is a genius. You're a married man, Salty, but you're right. It did seem like a strange decision to change the bench again at this stage of the season. I mean, we've already had nine rounds. Don't you dare doubt my man, Madge. I love a coach who's not afraid to use a woman's name. Madge, Mary rule, mate. I mean, I can't argue for logic, Salty. After all, Madge has been coaching in the NRL for, what was it, nine years now? Ah, now talk to me about the brilliant Benji Marshall. He destroyed the Broncos. No doubt, Salty, and the Broncos are definitely one of the yardstick teams. You have found some gold today, mate. With Benji in the halves, the Tigers have played finals footy. I reckon you can guess how many finals matches that is. Nine? Bang on, mate. And now I'm going to give you the opportunity to give us your take on the Tigers going up against our Eels at Bankwest Stadium on Thursday night. Welcome to the Bankwest jungle, baby. It's on. Yeah, it's about as on as the nine tries Paris scored in the first match last year. See you, Salty. Over to you, 40. Bastards, bastards. Number nine. Number nine. See you, Salty. Number nine. Alrighty, well, back to our predictions. Uh, thanks to Salty for that call-in. What do you got, 60s? I think there's no doubt that the Tigers are going to bring high energy and they're going to feel pretty confident after that big win over the Broncos. The Broncos were awful. <laughs> How bad yeah. were they? But the Tigers did take full advantage of it. I think there's no doubt that we need to find the aggression and the commitment in defence that was lacking this week. If we don't, I reckon we're going to see it another result that's fairly similar to the Absolutely, Manly 100%. I think that the Tigers have got a little bit more strike power than Manly at the moment. Um, Harry Grant obviously very dangerous around that ruck, and they're going to have to respect his ability to come out of dummy half in the red zone. Otherwise, he's going to feast on us for a few tries. And, yeah, they're going to have their tails up. They're going to be pumped up after a big win, if it was against the Broncos. Um, you know, they're, they're traveling all right now. So, yeah, that's the that. Yeah, the very thing that we failed to do against Daly Cherry Evans and Danny Levi, we need to be able to do against the Tigers. They're danger players like Harry Grant. We've got to target them, not just how we hit them, but how we run into them. So we've got to wear Correct. them out. We've got to make them less effective in their game. If we don't do that, we're going to have uh, some problems this week. Yeah, and I mean, once again, styles make fights, and we've matched up very well with the Tigers, but that was the case of Manly as well. We've had we won nine of our previous 11 against the Seagulls, and if you you can talk about styles making fights and you know the, the way two different teams contrast against each other, but if you don't bring the attitude, you're going to get beaten. And that was That's an it. important lesson for us last week, or last week, this week, last, uh, last game last night. And yeah, and I, I have no doubt that the players will be disappointed hugely in their own efforts that game. Um, well... Let's not forget, we are we can we can dwell on this game. Let's just take the lessons out of it. We are eight and two for the season, so it's not doom and gloom. We yeah, might feel a bit like, doomy and gloomy it, today, but it, it's, it's eight and two. It's because that losing feeling is so foreign for us at the moment. We've we've done so well this season, being so competitive in every game, that when, when you see a game like that, I suppose it brings you all the way down. But you do need to remember, put it in perspective: eight and two, legitimate shot at the minor premiership in the top four, which is what really matters. And, you know, this is a team... The commentary team wouldn't shut up about Manly's injuries last night. And, yes, they have a ton of injuries. Don't get me wrong. They're absolutely, you know, kneecapped. But so were we. And that, you know, that, that is a team that is almost half strength at this point in time. You're talking about no Blake Ferguson, no Ryan Madison, 
no Mitchell Moses, no Kane Evans, no Oregon Kafusi, no Ray Stone, no Penny Tarepo. Like that that's seven players at the top of my head there. Am I missing anyone else? No, it, it's seven players out. Seven players who have featured in the top grade this year. And are, there are, was a lot of t- are all either first what? choice players or guys jostling to be first choice off the bench. That's right. So there was no doubt that it wasn't. It was only half the story to say that it was an, an injury riddled Manly team. It was an injury riddled Parramatta team as well, and we didn't measure up as we should. And that, that's when Lesson that's learned. when you, that's when you need your attitude to be at its peak is when you've got those that's injuries. It. But even as we've seen with the Roosters it. in the last couple of weeks, they've been slipping up a little bit as well. It's hard to maintain that intensity when that many injuries creep in. So yeah, it the, is, it is, and that's. Let's take that as, well, we saw maybe the first signs of things being a little bit not as they should against the Knights last week. Perhaps this was a performance that has been coming for a couple of weeks. We've had to be up for a while. We've had this run of playing against other top sides in the last few weeks. We've come out of it extraordinarily well. We've we've played at our worst. It's resulted in a four-point loss to Manly. You know, probably in comparison to previous seasons, I'm going to take it. But I, we can't, and then we can't have the team accept that loss. We can, we have to have them look at it as a learning experience and a lesson learned, and ready to step up and get back to higher standards this week. Great teams don't string together two poor games. So yeah. that that'll be the benchmark the boys have to hold themselves to in the coming round. They can't let the Tigers get the jump on them. They need to get everything back into alignment, get all the um, cylinders fully firing, and get those effort and application levels off the charts again. Yeah. Bring on Thursday night, mate. That's, That's it. Bring on Thursday out. night. Hashtag our jungle. <laughs> so on, okay, on, on that bombshell, we'll wrap it up. Thanks for listening. Um, as always, jump on the com to catch all our post-game reviews, our pre-game previews, and any sort of opinion pieces that drop during the week. Um, there's what, stat attack from the stands. Um, obviously, if I can get the Monday grind out, it's there as well. But I'll be working against the clock to get that one this week, but I'll try and get something up. So, yeah, always plenty of stuff on the come and throw. You can catch us on Twitter as well at EelsTCT for our main account. Uh, Craig60s, what's your um, handle again? Uh, Craig60s2153. There you go. And I'm at Mr. Craig There you go. And I'm at underscore 4020, but don't expect too much from me. That is almost like a courtesy account to ensure I have a Twitter account. So if you get something from me, that means that it's a miracle. But um, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, shame about the loss, but we'll catch you next week. Go the Eels.